Oh, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. I am Cameron, and this is Tyler. This week, unfortunately, we are missing Lucas as he is traveling for his job down in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Why does he have to be a grown-up? I know. He goes on vacation. He goes to his job. Maybe he should just bet on himself and quit and go full-time. I'm. I, that's what I'm thinking at this point. Like, if he doesn't, he's. I mean, he makes the effort to get out here when he can, but when he can't, uh, it just hurts. He, yeah, it just hurts. It hurts deep down. Well, this week we will be finishing up our divisional breakdowns. Boy, boy. With the NFC West, with the always mighty NFC West, plenty mm-hmm. to talk about this week. Plenty. But before we get into that, we have a crazy amount. Of headlines that we're going to split up between this episode and then the episode on Friday as well. So Tyler, why don't you give us a couple of headlines that we've that we've seen really coming up through training camp? Yeah, so um, we're getting to the point now in training camp where injuries are starting to start in, mm-hmm. um, and coach or coaches' preferences, what I like to call, are now kind of starting to come out a bit and what they. Uh, what they like in certain players and, and all that, and they're not afraid to praise the players. And that, I mean, is it's a fantasy owner's gold mine because you're like, sure. if the coach is, you know, hyping up this player, that's got to mean something, right? So this past week, maybe it isn't as much of transactions, but there's a couple more injuries and there's a lot more uh, schematics and a lot more uh, systematic (laughs) updates for the people. So let's dive right into it. We're going to dive right into some Uh, first. We're going to head over to Indianapolis. And of course you've heard by, you've probably heard by now. We hope you've heard by now. We really hope (laughs) it's really hard to have not heard of this by now, but uh, Carson Wentz, is undergoing surgery to remove a bone out of his foot and will be out for five to 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then just today, Quentin Nelson, their all pro offensive guard and by far the best offensive guard in the NFL by far, by far, not even close. He's out five to 12 weeks with the same type of injury as once. Don't drink, don't drink the water. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. Don't, they need to. Uh, they need to get Adam Sandler down yes. there, the Water Boy himself, to go uh, get ready, get those Gatorade yeah, buckets exactly. ready. But um, the other update with these injuries, right? Obviously, that that takes a toll on you know, or that puts a a, a, a bit of pessimism over guys like Michael Pittman, T. Y. Hilton, Jonathan Taylor, yes. all those guys, uh, but. Frank Reich, the head coach, was actually on the Pat McAfee show this morning, and uh, he was telling Pat about um, what they know so far be, uh, for Wentz and for Nelson, and what they said for Wentz is that to take the bone out, there's the risk of other areas in the foot that have been affected because of this misplaced bone, mm-hmm. and initial reports are, are coming back as nothing is, is damaged. So this seems to be a quicker yes. uh, recovery for Wentz. Um, so that twelve weeks, three months—that's a long. That uh, obviously a long shot, but yeah. um, 
it seems to be more it's going to be a five to seven or eight week recovery so for Wentz. Looking to miss maybe week one through week four at the most is what we're leaning towards. Leaning right towards. Leaning towards. And hoping for the same for Quentin Nelson. Yeah, Nelson underwent surgery today, so we're gonna you're gonna see it reports and, and you know updates later this week. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that. But as I mentioned earlier, T. Y. Hilton Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, they're yeah. all going to take kind of a step back uh, in, in rankings and stuff just because mm-hmm. that offensive line, uh, that left side of the offensive line, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good without, you Quentin know, Nelson. without Quentin Nelson and then also a seemingly big hole on your tackle yes. also, but... I don't, I, I'm not a general manager. I'm not a football coach. So yep. I leave it up to them. So that comes straight out of Indy. I'll you know, be on the lookout for that because that's that directly impacts all those guys we mentioned yes. already. Um, we're going to go a little north and a little, little east as well. We're going to go over to Philadelphia. Uh, wide receiver Devontae Smith, former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, first-round pick this year. He has picked up an injury, and he's week to week with a sprained MCL, which they were at first worried about being worse. worse. So this was good news for them for what they thought they had. Yes. Now, historically, sprained MCLs, you um, you need the full time to recover because if you try to rush back into it, you yeah. risk a much bigger injury. After uh, you risk a much much bigger yes. injury. So. Um, it's good that they got it. Or I mean, you never want someone to be injured. Yes. Um, but it's better now than a couple weeks 100%. into the season. So, um, be on the also on the lookout for that and see what kind of updates happen. Yeah. Obviously, each player can recover in a week or two from an injury, and others will take a lot more time. Yeah. So, it does affect how much time he's spending in training camp, getting yes. acclimated to that offense. Yep. It does help that he has Jalen Hurts under yes. center. But, again, you're missing out on – I mean, you're there for team meetings, but you're not getting reps. You're not seeing live defenses. So, just something to look, something to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go over to Washington now. Uh, earlier uh, in the offseason, there was some concern expressed about Antonio Gibson and how well he was recovering from his turf toe injury. Yep. Uh, Ron Rivera came out and he said that, Gibson is bouncing back very well from his turf toe injury, so there should be little to no reason to um, drop Gibson in your rankings and in your drafts. So for sure, um, Baltimore wide receiver Mark Mara. Oh my goodness, Marquise, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. There's a reason why I only say Hollywood Brown. There you go. Um, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Not that it, I mean, Brown has never really had much. Fantasy uh, production, yeah. To begin with, he's had a couple weeks. Couple that's weeks. about it. Yep. Um, but this hamstring injury is now worse than what they when the, the what the team originally thought. So, um, it's Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, one season. Although there's another wide receiver that's sticking out in Ravens camp. Oh, Ty, who is it? It's Sammy Watkins. People, <laughs> it's Sammy Watkins. He's turning the heads of the offensive coordinator. And just the offensive coordinator, it seems like. <laughs> um, Greg Roman came out and said that Sammy Watkins is one of the best wide receivers he's ever been around. Everyone has taken this as he's, the, he, you know, they're taking it as 
Roman praising Watkins as a dynamic, as an athletic wide receiver, and he is. Mm -hmm. Not so much on the dynamic, but Watkins has been through Buffalo. He's won championships with Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So the professional wide receiver that an old, I mean, that a 28-29 wide receiver is, seems to me what Roman is praising, the professional side of him, not so much the uh the productive yep. wide receiver. So um don't read too much into it. It's just uh it's just merely saying, wow, I've never been around yeah. around a receiver like this. Because I mean he's only had Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed. <laughs> of course he's gonna praise yeah. Watkins. Like he hasn't had someone as professional as him. So for sure. Uh Roman has also said uh, that J.K. Dobbins is making good progress catching passes out of the backfield. And uh, Cam has expressed um, that he needs to see it first. Definitely. Yeah. I I want to believe it. I want to believe it so bad. And I want to take J.K. Dobbins in the second round. But I need to, be- I need to see I it need to, to believe see it. it. Yep. I'm the same way. I just – that offense is one of the most curious things because Lamar rushes the ball. Or when he throws it, he throws it to Mark Andrews. Rarely do they ever just dump it off. Yeah. Or rarely do they have a designed passing play out of the backfield. Well, when you're as good as Lamar Jackson on your feet, why would you give it to someone else? Right. Why would you? Exactly. Why? why? So there, there's some, there's some uh, optimism and, potent, and, and higher potential now with Dobbins. But, you know, if you are comfortable reaching for Dobbins, be a be my guest, go ahead. Um, but just be sure that you are comfortable taking Dobbins and not yes. not betting on the potential upside that he has because who knows what can happen yeah. with Baltimore. So Exactly. Uh, we'll give you a couple more just because. Yeah. Just fire him off real yeah. quick. Um, Joe Judge, head coach of the Giants, says that running back Saquon Barkley is making tangible progress in his uh, rehab from his ACL injury. Um, but they also signed Alfred Morris to a one-year <laughs> deal. So what is happening? Yeah. Don't know. We know as much as we did last week. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, and we're going to actually stick with the Giants uh, for two more headlines. One, courtesy of Mr. Cameron, the Giants have been working on more bubble screens and end zone fades in their <laughs> offense. And this is solely because they have Drafted Kadarius Tony and signed Kenny Galladay. That is the only reason why. Mm-hmm. Because Tony operates in the short. Galladay just goes up and gets balls. That's yeah. that's it. So that's really about it. They're designing plays for him. Good. They're gonna get uh-huh. targets. That's about it. And for the last I'll we'll we'll cut the headlines here, but yep. the last headline I want to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen. When you are at training camp and you're still running through offensive plays, trying to get familiar with offensive playbooks, defensive playbooks, it is um, just common knowledge to not just pound people to the ground. It's just, it's common sense, okay? Yeah. You would you would hope that it's common sense. See, and it, I mean, it happens every year. So yes, that's better. That's better. <laughs> you hope you under you would think they would understand that. 
Apparently that wasn't that wasn't uh was a, not the case. That was not the case with the Giants today. Um apparently there was there's no video out on the play or of the said yeah. encounter that I will describe, but apparently it was a run play in a joint pra- practice with the Panthers. It was a joint? Yeah, I think so. No, this was separate. The, it was during their separate part when this happened? Yes, this was okay. separate. This was separate. We'll hit on that Panthers oh, headline okay, okay. next episode. But um, it was a run play, and the running back just got leveled. And to stick up for their guy, tight end Evan Ingram went over to the guy that laid the hit, and he said, hey, back off of my guy. And you know what the other guy did? He pushed him back. And then defensive back Logan Ryan came in with the haymaker of a right hand and just walloped Evan Ingram, which set off a team-wide brawl. So what does Joe Judge do? Wait, wait, wait. Do you know who was at the bottom of the brawl? Oh, I forgot. That's the most important part. Danny Dimes was laying at the bottom Who's of the at entire the bottom? brawl. Your franchise. Use that lightly. quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> Use that lightly. Franchise quarterback is at the bottom of this pile. This is a lose-lose situation for the Giants. And just wait, because Joe Judge comes in, and he puts on his best Herb Brooks impersonation, and he has them run for the rest of the day, for the rest of practice. And when they're not running, they're doing push-ups. Again. Again. <laughs> Sorry, I, I've always wanted to do it myself. So that's Don't let that, Ty coach your kids in middle school football. Right. <laughs> again. Right. Again. Right. Okay. So um there is there uh you could you could assume that spirits are a little down mm-hmm. with the Giants right now. Um but the only reason why I bring this up is just because this is quite laughable, yes. honestly, that an NFL team is getting just run out of their own practice facility by their own coach because they tried to be the tough guy. That's 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 really it. So, um, after all of that, after all those headlines, we're going to turn it over to the NFC West. There's more headlines. Mm-hmm. But you got to stay tuned for the next episode coming out later this week. Yep. So, that's it for headlines so Ready? far. All right. So with that, we're going to jump into the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. We are projecting the Seahawks to finish third, and we're projecting a tie between the Rams and San Francisco at the beginning. And we just decided, you know what, we would rather do San Francisco and Seattle. Yeah, I mean, the Rams and the Niners, there are greater chances of them finishing with the same record. We're not going to try to predict the tiebreakers. That's, that's going through every single game and going, okay, lost, lost. We're not that kind of people, okay? <laughs> Don't make us do that. We're not that kind of people. We're not that kind of people. We're good people. We're, good we're people. not that kind we're of best people. people. We're the best. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with the Seattle Seahawks. We're going we're gonna to pause on Hot Take Tie for one player. For one player. And then we will jump into Hot Take Tie. We're going to start with the quarterback, mm-hmm. Mr. Russell Wilson, mm. who the Seattle Seahawks let cook last year in terms and the 
Uh, that's terms that the media uses. That's terms that Lucas yeah. loves to use. Let Russ cook. Let Russ cook. And boy, did he cook for those first eight weeks. He was quarterback six. Wait, he, that was it? He was quarterback six for the first eight weeks. Actually, um, he was... Let me, let, me, let me check this real quick. We got to fact check this. We got to fact check it real quick. He was quarterback... Um... In, oh, he was quarterback one. That I is, was going to say. That is my bad. He was quarterback one. <laughs> I completely screwed up. He was quarterback one. In weeks nine through 17, he was quarterback 11. Hey. That's a little difference. That's a that's a, that's a a big difference. That's a big difference. So, Tyler, what, what are your projections for Russell Wilson this season? Man, I, I can't really say... He'll have a year like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been two years in a row now yeah. where Russell has come out of the gates as pretty much the MVP favorite. Far and away the MVP. Far and away. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he hits this like week 9, 10, 11 period. And then after that, it is just mayhem trying to get him to produce again. So... You could say he's in for a third year of that, but they're making changes in the offense. They, they're they trying to rebuild the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They brought a new offense coordinator. Um, so I, I, I have reason to believe that it won't be so, uh, you know, super great for the first, like, eight weeks, and then he'll fall off again. Yeah. Um, but all this to say... Russell Wilson is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And top he's eight for sure. Top eight for sure. And he's and he's for sure a top ten fantasy quarterback. Hundred percent. There's there's literally no debate to it. He can make every throw. Mm. He can run out of the pocket. Rarely does he get ru- rushing touchdowns, but he knows how to use his legs. He knows when to tuck it and run, or when he can roll out the pocket, make the defense move, yeah, and then hit it over the top of the DK. So. He's still a top-ten quarterback. I mean, he still had multiple finishes over 20 points per game in that last half. The difference was the touchdowns. Yep. In the first half, he had 26 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. In the second half, he had 14 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Like, that's, that's a big difference. That's a, yeah, that's too big of a And loss. so, I think I think he'll find kind of find the happy medium. He finished last year with 40 touchdowns. We'll probably see it closer to a 35, 32. 35. But I would assume that... That that comes because of an the want to increase the running game. Yeah. And so as that comes, you'll see more consistency throughout the year because it won't be one game you're super reliant on Russ to do everything else. The next game you can kind of take it out of his hands a little bit. Right. So with that, that kind of leads to our next player. And I'm going to let you do your hot take tie segment <laughs> on this next player. Man. So why don't you give it to us? Man, what a what a... There's no better way to just transition to mm-hmm. another player than just with a hot take tie segment. So, no better way. Um, the hot take of this week is regarding Chris Carson, who uh, many people, I believe, are uh, not aware of uh, just how uh, just how good he is mm-hmm. in fantasy. Everyone knows that he's just a big, mean runner on, you know, on the field, but no one really realizes just what he can do for fantasy. Um, so I'll give you these stats before I give the hot take. Uh, the last 
let's see, not last year, but the two years before that, before last season, he finished with over 1,100 yards and 1,200 yards and a combined 16 total rush, rushing touchdowns, and I think the split was 9-7. and seven. Um, In just the past two years, so last year and the year before that, he's had 35-plus catches, which was 15 more yeah. than that season before. 37 both seasons. So he's getting more and more involved. And here's the other thing. He only played in 12 games last year. Yeah. And the other two seasons, he was playing like 15, 14, something yep. like that. So that's that is that's basically the Trending entire Trending up. Yeah. And he got the same amount of catches in 12 games last year. You can you can honestly say if he played a full season, he's getting more than 37 catches, yeah. right? He would be he was on, be on pace for 51 catches this season. Right. So Knowing the yards, are he's capable of putting up uh, quadruple digits. That's a I don't like how that sounds. But <laughs> he's capable of putting over up over a thousand yards, and he's he's getting more and more involved in the passing game. Yeah, Chris Carson will miss a game or two. I will admit that. Regardless, Chris Carson will finish as a top fifteen running back yeah. this year in fantasy football. Nice stick by it. So I'm gonna. I I agree 100. I think that there is a huge possibility. I think they even have him ranked at 15. Mm-hmm. Chris Carson averaged the most yards to carry last year, 4.8. He has had nine total touchdowns in each of the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. Last year was the only year that he missed out on a thousand total scrimmage yards, yep. and that was because he missed, like you said, he missed four games. Yep. In the first four games, where they quote unquote, or first, yeah. Five games where they quote unquote let Russ cook and weren't running the ball as much. Chris Carson had 25 fantasy points, 19.8 fantasy points, 10.6, but then 25 and 19. So the man, I mean, the man what? can put up great numbers. He has averaged 14.4, 15.5, and 15.6 points per game in the last three seasons. That's a guy that can be top 15 easy. And he's falling into the fourth round? End of the fourth. Are you? Oh, he's being taken people. close to wide or running back 2021 right now. He's getting close to that Miles Gaskins <laughs> range. All I know, just based off of ESPN mock drafts, the fact that Miles Sanders is going ahead of Chris Carson in drafts blows my mind. It's disgusting. <laughs> sure, we'll go there. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Please take Miles Sanders ahead of Chris Carson if you're in my league. Please, 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 because I'll, I'll gladly take the better player. I am, I am buying all the Chris Carson stock this year. It's only moon. his fifth season. To the moon. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. So that, I mean, we're not going to be beat a dead horse any more than that. Um, that was it. That's yeah. So we'll move on to these wide receivers. Before we even jump into these wide receivers, Tyler, quick question: DK in the second or Lockett in the fifth? Who you got? I'm going to grab my mic and get. Make this loud and clear for people. I'm taking Tyler Lockett in the fifth. Yes, I get that DK Metcalf is a physical freak of nature. But Tyler Lockett has finished in top 10 rankings before. Mm-hmm. He finished last season in the top 15. And he, he was wide receiver 8 last year. He was wide receiver 8 last year. Yes. Shoo. He was right behind DK. Shoo. And somehow, 
with a new offensive coordinator and no uh, no other like challenging wide receivers to like that were brought into the team, D, or uh, Tyler Lockett's supposed to fall to wide receiver like mid twenties or like early twenties. I don't get it. Let me let me tell you some Tyler Lockett stats. Yeah, give me give the people Tyler Lockett last three seasons has had ten touchdowns, eight touchdowns, ten touchdowns. 1,000 yards, uh, he had 965 one season. 1,000 yards the other two seasons. Mm-hmm. He's had, his targets have gotten out of each season. He went 71, 110, and last year he had 132 targets on 100 receptions. On 10 touchdowns. Do we know who else we considered to be um, too inconsistent to take super high? Tyreek Hill. We thought Tyreek Hill was too inconsistent, but then all of a sudden the volume kept coming. The volume's going to stay and the inconsistency is going to leave. And for everybody who thinks, oh, Tyler Lockett's on his way out. They just signed Tyler Lockett to a four-year, $69 million deal. Yeah. This man is not going anywhere. He got paid to stay. We understand if, I, I understand if you can't draft him this year because he's burned you, but get over it. Get over it. In the in the wise words of our buddy uh, Colin, are you sad? <laughs> well, get over it, okay? Tyler Lockett is an elite flex option, hundred percent. It's a bit of a stretch to take as a wide receiver too, and mm-hmm. he, I know he's been drafted there before. Yes, he he's he's going in flex territory, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, if someone were to take him as a wide receiver too, I wouldn't argue it. Yeah. But you then need another solid flex 100%. to back it up. Right? Like you can't just bank on Tyler Lockett catching yes. 10, 10, you know, ten receptions, hundred and fifty yards and three touchdowns every like every other week. But it's not realistic. He was averaging about eight eight targets a game. Oh yeah. So it's not like he's not getting the ball. So we we on this show think that Tyler Lockett is a Steal in the fifth round. Steal. I mean, yes, again, DK Metcalf, physical beast, yes. has potential to finish again as a top 10 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Lockett, you can make an argument that Tyler Lockett has that same potential to finish as a top 10 receiver. Yes. And you're getting him in the fifth. So you can stack up on another running back in the second round. You can stack up. Look, you can even take, like, George Kittle yeah. if you really want a tight end. You can grab him in the second round because you can wait for Lockett in the fourth or fifth. Yeah. Because I think the more and more people realize, people are going to start taking him in the fourth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. Yeah. But again, Tyler Lockett is not going away anytime soon. No. Uh, yeah. And so we'll just continue to move on from there. We'll go to DK. Let's get this straight, though. We are not anti-DK Metcalf. We do not think Good he's point. a bad wide receiver. It's just... He finishes wide receiver seven last year, and he's being drafted at wide receiver seven right now. Yep. That's our problem is we just think he's being drafted at his ceiling. We yeah. don't think there's much room for him to go up when you have another guy like Lockett who probably will get another 130 targets this season. Right. And DK Metcalf had his own inconsistency problems. He finished last season with 13 fantasy points, 18.1, 9.3, 11.9, and 5.1, including having three games last year with under five fantasy points. So... It, was, it wasn't just 
Lockett that had these inconsistencies. It was DK as well. DK had less targets than him last year. He had less receptions. He did have more yards, and he had the same amount of touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing that I think people argue a lot is DK is that red zone threat. Yeah. Both players had 18 red zone targets last year. So, it's It's not not like (laughs) DK is blowing him out of the water. We understand DK is physically better, and we understand that DK is is that, I think DK is that water's your one. Lockett might be targeting him better, but DK is just so physically gifted that he has to be wide receiver. He has to be your one. And so we're not arguing that you should take Lockett in the second. We're just taking, saying for where they're being drafted, we would rather have Lockett in the fifth than DK in the second. Right. I mean, to just prove that DK is wide receiver one, Jalen, Jalen Ramsey is not lining up against Tyler Lockett. No. He's covering DK. Yes. And, and he's like, he he's only on DK mm-hmm. when they play. Like, it's not like it's not like when Seattle like switches, you know, like Lockett starts left and DK is right, and they switch yes. that Ramsey just stays on one side. No, he follows DK to the other 100%. side. So DK is clearly wide receiver one, but that's just in terms of just depth chart. Yeah, that's not saying anything in terms of fantasy mm-hmm. implications or anything. If you take DK in the second, take him closer to the end of the second, and we don't think it's a bad pick. It's just. For, for me, I will never have DK high enough on my board that I'm going to take him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, and I, I kind of go back to last year. You remember when Raheem Mostert kind of came on to, the, I mean, a little, you know, we're going to talk about Mostert here mm-hmm. in a second. But when Mostert kind of came onto the scene at the end of the 2019 season, mm-hmm. 2019 season, um. Moster became like that trendy, like, oh, he's on the up and up. He's only getting started um, type of pick, right? And he was consistently going round one. And even, I mean, sometimes going to round two, but I'll, all I ever saw was round one. I have the, I like, I, I get those same vibes with DK. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that DK is going to get hurt, but I, I wonder if, if, it the the hype is just a little too much for what we saw last year with DK. That DK is a top five wide receiver. E pause, <laughs> like he, the season that he had, which was so spectacular, where people were like, "He's Calvin Johnson," and then he had yeah. a whole controversy where he was like, "No, I'm DK Metcalf." Right? Yeah. Like that was wide receiver seven. Yeah. Like it, it it just has that same like Raheem Mostert type mm-hmm. vibe, and people are gonna reach and. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I if you're comfortable taking him beginning of the second, go yeah. ahead. I mean, I'm not going to stop you from doing yeah. it. That's just not what I would do. 100%. He's a – like when I was doing my dynasty rankings, he's he's in my top five. And that's because he's, he is, he's only 23. Right. Like he, he's going to just continue to get better. Mm-hmm. It's just that this year in a redraft league, it's hard to see him taking a step to get enough targets to be a wide – be wide receiver one. Yeah. And when I'm taking a if I'm taking a wide receiver in that second round, that's what I want is I want that potential. That's why I would take a DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, a Tyreek Hill, a Devontae Adams. Right. Exactly. All righty. So let's move on. Let's finish up with their tight end. This is all you. Uh, <laughs> this is all you. Gerald Everett <laughs> is one of my favorite sleeper tight ends. <laughs> Gerald Everett has had to compete each of the last four seasons with the great Tyler Higby. <laughs> um and now he is all by himself with maybe Wade Disley um, in Seattle for the tight end. Pete Carroll has talked on and on about how much he loves Gerald Everett. 
Gerald Everett is <laughs> an athletic beast. There's no denying that. And for me, when I look at this, everybody is so high on Irv Smith, and as a Vikings fan, I am too. Oh, yeah. But Gerald Everett is in the same situation, except instead of Kirk Cousins, he has Russell Wilson. <laughs> Irv Smith okay. has Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen ahead of him. Gerald Everett has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Irv Smith has Dalvin Cook. Gerald Everett has Chris Carson. Both run run first offenses. And like I said, Gerald Everett's got Russell Wilson and Irv Smith has Kirk Cousins. And they both got pretty decent defenses or they want to have decent defenses. Yeah, they want to. And so all I'm saying is Gerald Everett's a better athlete. He is a better athlete. He measures wow. he measures better in all um, athletic skills, such as the forty, the vertical, uh, bench press, than Irv Smith did. Eesh. And he's in the same situation. That's all I'm saying. So I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think he should. I don't. You don't need to draft him in like round ten. You can draft him as your last pick. That's what I do when I decide I want to punt on tight ends. Is I pick up <laughs> Everett with my like fifteenth pick after my defenses and stuff. Yeah. So. That's all I'm going to say on Everett. I think that's all we yeah. need to say. I guess, I mean, the only thing between Irv and Everett is that Irv has a bit of chemistry already with that's Kirk. True. That's true. And Everett's now in a new offense, which, I mean, it really isn't that different because L.A. is technically a run-first offense, yeah. even though it's a committee. But that's No, it's the L.A. playbook that they're using. They're offensive coordinators from under Sean McVay, I think. Shoot. I think. Oh, oh, no. Don't fact-check me on that one. Just oh, pretend no. I'm right. But. So. Because they, they were talking about how Gerald Everett knows the playbook. Yeah. So he does know it really well. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I maybe. Mean, maybe. 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 If maybe. I make a tight end call, it'll be the greatest thing in the world. But, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> if, I don't know if I can trust him as my single starting tight end. Yeah. But I'd be willing to take a flyer as a tight end, too. For sure. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him before you, but that's <laughs> yeah, that's another question for another If you time. take him before me, I don't <laughs> Right, you may not see me on this podcast yeah. anymore. So. We will be, have separate podcasts. <laughs> I will be the fantasy football fella, and they will be the fantasy football fellas. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. All right, we know they got a great defense. We know they have Kyle Shanahan running that offense, the offensive mastermind that he is. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo. Is their starting quarterback as of now? Shanahan has made it very clear that he will be um, quarterback one at the beginning of the year. Very. In 2019, when Jimmy was starting, he had um, almost 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, uh, about 16 points a game. So maybe borderline quarterback one play, but he finished quarterback 14 that year. Yeah, trending towards that high end quarterback two. He doesn't really run the ball much, and especially after the injury, we don't expect to see him running the ball at all. No. Tyler, is he usable at all this year? Would you? Would you even? Would you draft him? Would you stay away? I'm. I'm staying away. I mean, I. It's not the fact that like. I mean, yes, Shanahan has made it clear that mm-hmm. Garoppolo is going to be quarterback one. It's not that. It, it's. Ju- it's just that Garoppolo. It's, it's just not worth rostering on mm-hmm. your team when there's other quarterbacks that have yeah. either more potential or have, I guess, a higher floor than than Garoppolo. I, so I think he's just a worse version of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I got him. Yep. And let's see, 
how many games until Trey Lance is a starter? And do you hmm. think it is worth taking a late round pick on Trey Lance this season? I think in so obviously in dynasty leagues, yes, Trey Lance is worth drafting. Yes, hundred percent. Redraft. Ah man, I will. I personally, for me, I would not. Just because I think if Lance starts, it's going to be week nine, week 10, yeah. right? Where they've seen enough, or not necessarily seen enough, but they, they, Garoppolo has shown that, like, you know, maybe at five and three in the season, right? Like, kind of, kind of like a Miami Dolphins situation last yes. year where Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins were, like, actually competing in games yes. to, like, many people's surprises and, or, yeah, to many people's surprise. Yep. And then they just benched Fitzpatrick for Tua because Tua, yeah, like that was that was that seemed to be the reason. So I wonder, if, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that's going to be the scenario this year. They have a, a week six bye, so they they have an earlier bye. I don't think Lance will start that early, but like I said, I can see a week nine, ten, eleven start. And again, personally for me, I'm not taking him in redrafts. Mm-hmm. And kind of and hoping that everyone else kind of sees that as well and doesn't take him and then maybe scoop him up, oh, you know, later down weeks. the road. Yep. Right. Just because at that point you see what everyone else on your team has done and yeah. you know who you can drop and stuff instead sure. of taking up a whole roster spot just for Trey Lance to sit for eight weeks. Yeah. So the only thing for Trey Lance is if he does start, and the reason you want him on your dynasty league is his sophomore year, his last full year at North Dakota State. In 16 games, he had 1,100 rushing yards for 14 touchdowns, which is insane for a running back, much as a quarterback. He also had 2,700 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, and the best part was zero interceptions. Now, we know he was FCS, but we have seen it translate in Carson Wentz before he got hurt. So we know that it can translate. So... With that rushing upside, he's a hard guy to pass on in the dynasty league. He's yep, and we understand why you would take a um, spot on him in redraft. Um, but I think we'll kind of leave it there for yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, again, it is up to you where you want to take Lance. If you want to keep him on your roster for mm-hmm. however long he's not playing, yep, go ahead. But like I said, personally for me, won't draft. I know I will not roster him until. There is some rumblings of a potential Lance will come in in week blank. Yes. So, all right, let's move on to these running backs. We got Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. Who are you taking this year? Redraft. Redraft. Who are you taking? I'm taking I between the two. Between the two. Who? Trey Sermon or Mostert? If you had to take two. If I had, yeah. And then and then and it would you take the two, either of them? I between the two, I would prefer Mostert over Sermon. But would I take either of them? No, in redraft. Right. No. Um, just because, yeah, Sermo was a third-round pick. They traded up for him. I. Uh, it doesn't seem to be super clear-cut that Sermon will take over the backfield as it does with, like, Denver. It mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be that, like, clear-cut. And I, I mentioned this earlier to Cam we need I we need to be careful because we're saying Michael Carter, who was yes. a fourth round draft pick, is going to take over the Jets backfield. But I don't I it just 
maybe it comes down to this. Trey Sermon is a power back. Yeah. He does he I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets involved in a passing game. But Trey Sermon coming out of college this year is a power back. Yeah. He is a downhill back. Mostert is a zone outside running back, right? Like mm-hmm. Mostert fits Shanahan's running game more than Sermon does. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason why I would take Moser over Sermon. Yeah. Dynasty, different story. Yeah. But at the present moment, in a redraft, mm-hmm. Moser would be my preference. But just not knowing what this offense is going to look like this year, besides George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, I, I'm not really going to take anyone in that Niners backfield. For sure. The only thing to think about is Moser is 29. That's pretty much past a running back's prime age, so he's probably on his way out. So maybe Sermon takes over later in the year. Mm-hmm. He could be a trade target for you yep. uh, if he underperforms. Mostert uh, has never started all 16 games. Last year was his first year as a starter. And the last thing I'll say about San Francisco backfield and move on to the wide receivers is they always use a committee. Always. Always. And so it will be tough to take either of them. Uh, so... Right now, I think for both of us, and I think Lucas, too, it's just an avoid. Yeah. Yep. So, let's move on to these wide receivers. I'll ask you another question about, um, are you taking Ayuk in the fifth or Debo in the seventh? See, I, I know I've made it, I, I've made it, I, I've implicitly said that I, I would target Debo more mm-hmm. than Ayuk. And looking at the stats from last year. I'm beginning to lean more towards Ayuk than I am towards Samuel. Granted, Samuel didn't play for a majority of the season. Mm-hmm. But I'll start with this little tidbit from uh, from from the buzz around camp. All right. Is that Debo Samuel has been, uh, been consistently getting behind the defense. But Ayuk has been the preferred target for all four roster quarterbacks with the Niners. So, with that, um, with that information, and then looking at stats last year, that Ayuk had eight games in double digits, and it was, oh my fault! This is going to sound even better. It was eight games in double digits, discounting touchdowns. It he had nine total games in double digits, so there was only one game where a touchdown took him into double digits. Other than that, it was eight games. Yeah. And he only played in 12 games last year. So in eight slash nine of the 12 games that he played last year, he finished in double digits. Yeah, multiple games with Nick Mullins. With, yeah, with Nick <laughs> Mullins. And also without a George Kittle. Yeah. Like, he, he, he showed up last year in a way that I think he's kind of going under the radar. Yeah. I'm not saying that he is the second best wide receiver in that draft class or whatever, but he's flying under the radar in terms of like actually how good he was, and it was just because no one wanted to watch Nick Mullins under center. That's it. That's the only reason why. So, Brandon Ayuk is exactly one year older than me. He's also a St. Patrick's Day baby. How about that? Shout out to Brandon Ayuk, my shout out seventh favorite player. <laughs> Behind Alvin Cook, behind <laughs> Kirk Cousins, behind Justin Jefferson. I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah, like I said, with those stats and what's already coming out of training camp, yes, it's an earlier pick on Ayuk. 
and you don't really know because Samuel and I, you've never played together yeah. much last year, so you don't know how that'll work. Yeah. But again, the news out of camp and looking at preferences at, out of all the quarterbacks, seems like Ayuk is going to be a safer choice in the fifth than yeah. Samuel in the seventh. So I would agree. The only thing with Debo is he has been injured literally every year since his senior high school. So that is something to watch. Something to be careful of. Now, here's the other thing. I didn't know that Debo Samuel is entering his third year. Yeah. Last he's... year was his second season. Yep. Right? So. It's not like he's an ancient guy. Right. Like, he he has enough experience with his offense that he may not really skip a beat, per yeah. se. But Ayuk is also in that same position. So. Yeah. 100%. We'll and last one we'll talk about is George Kittle. George Kittle is my tight end, too. Yeah. Uh, George Kittle, if you average out, listen to these stats if you average them out, because he played eight games last year. If you average them out over 17 games, 104 catches, 135 targets. Whoa. 1,300 yards. And he would have had only four touchdowns, which you know will go up if he's if he's playing full health with Jimmy Grapple there full time. <laughs> right. It's not Nick Mullins under center. So, and I mean... Two of his games last year were week 16, week 17 that he played after missing the full season. Mm-hmm. And in those two games, he had four catches for or four catches for 92 yards and seven catches for 68 yards. So they still looked his way. So even when they were long and out yeah. of the playoff race and, and he forced his way back in, they it, still gave him the ball. And those numbers aren't out of the realm of possibilities. 2018, he had 88 catches, 136 targets, 1,377 yards, and five touchdowns. Yeah. Like he can definitely do it. So. He's a lock for me on tight end two, but I still have him going around the same range as Waller in that third round. Are you yep. any different? No, no. I guess the only difference is dynasty. Yeah. Because um, unpopular take. This isn't so much a hot take. It's more of an unpopular take. But in dynasty, Kittle's my tight end one. Yeah, he's four years younger than Kelsey. And he's, I mean, they're pretty much in the same situation where they are either a safety valve or a, like, get you into open space and let you go. And I think Kittle's more explosive than Kelsey is. Absolutely. Is. So, that's that's just a little spoiler. And, again, an unpopular take and in, in, in a unwanted take. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> unwanted. it's unwanted. But Kittle, Kittle's my tight end one. He's definitely a tight end two in redraft. He's in that same range as Waller in that third round. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really else to it. Yeah. All right. So with that, that wraps up our NFC West. We don't have any mailbag questions for today. Uh, Bummer. We'll ha- we all have at least one for Friday, so don't Woo-hoo! worry. We'll get back to it. Yes. But with that, deuces. Actually, deuces. Antonio yeah, oh, Winfield style. Sorry. Right up, there, right up there. And for you that can't see because you're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, we have an Antoine Winfield Jr. jersey. Tyreek Hill's daddy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So that's here to stay. So deuces, deuces. Hey, thanks again for tuning into the Fantasy Football Fellows podcast today. Make sure to subscribe so you get notifications of all of our weekly podcasts now on Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Make sure to subscribe, turn on those notifications. You can do the same for our social media, FF Fellows on Twitter, the FF Fellows on Instagram. Hey, we're on YouTube if you want to see us uh, video record these podcasts. Fantasy football fellas there. 
Uh, same thing on Facebook and TikTok, Fantasy Football Fellas. If you want even more insights to any of our rankings, uh, head on over to fantasyfootballfellas.com. I uh, got all sorts of rankings there. You can see our first mock draft that we did a few weeks ago. Uh, all sorts of different exciting content there we have for you as well. Three Stooges, just being dudes. Deuces.